Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Three, two, one, boom, and we're on. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. 2021 New Year. The New Year is here. It's time to attack. It's time to execute. All right, let's do it. First podcast of the year. If you haven't yet taken the time to subscribe, please, guys, subscribe. Give me a rating. I need ratings, guys. Give me rating. Somebody give me rating what you think of this show. It's super easy. It's right there next to the show. Give me ratings. Give me your feedback. Say what's up. I really appreciate that. What can I tell you? Today is January the 6th. Super happy day. Super sad day. Um, Reason why it's sad is we're burying today a great man, a great, great, great man. My wife's grandfather, Nico Aguiar, my man, just a legend in what he's overcome, what he's done. This dude, Castro jailed him in Cuba for 20 years, political prisoner, didn't know he was going to get out of, he was going to survive, ended up surviving that, moved to Terrytown in New York, crushed it, man, crushed it in cleaning offices, started cleaning offices, cleaning windows, and built his little empire, and raised my wife. It's super hard. It's it's not easy. Him and his wife, my wife's grandparents, uh, when my wife's dad tragically died, my wife was like eight years old, he stepped in big time, man. So he's a legend in the game. Everybody loved this guy. Very patriotic for Cuba, for America, uh, model citizen. So today was his funeral. Tomorrow's my birthday. If you want to wish me a happy birthday, you want to give me a gift, subscribe to this podcast. That's it. Subscribe to this podcast. I would love that. Subscribe to the YouTube. I would love that. Coach HP on YouTube also. I'm going to go hard, guys. I'm going to go hard on the YouTube channel. But leave me a happy birthday. That way I know who's listening. And a lot of people tell me they're listening. But if you wish me a happy birthday, I know you heard this episode. So DM me, text me if you have a if you have my phone, wish me a happy birthday. Anybody that sends me a text, I'll screenshot it. You send me a DM, I screenshot it and I'll post it on my on my feed tomorrow. Whatever it's called there on my stories. A lot of people are telling me, coach, I want you to talk more, less guests, more you. I like you a lot. I like your things. I like what you talk about. That's coming. I'm going to get really organized, man. In 2020, a lot of things took me by storm. I didn't think the show was going to pop off like it did. The guests were going to come on like they did. The Corona thing. One grandparent passed away from my wife. The second one just passed away two days ago. Had a baby. And I was pumping out content almost every single day for you guys answering questions. This is for you, man. Me being around here, me being successful is all for you. 
I, I don't say this a lot. I don't like to curse so much. But this is the most fucking authentic, positive show on the internet by far. I'm not going to bullshit you. This isn't your, oh, let's do this. And then uh, go subscribe to this. And then swipe up and get a $50 club. And for $50 a month, you get access to me. No, this is me giving it to you raw, how I see it, what's happening to me, what I like and what I don't like. So look for my episodes of me solo coming soon i want to hit up the state of baseball i want to hit up parenting i want to do father-son relationships i want to do how to view your son when your son is at this point of his baseball career i want to view another one when you have a son that isn't athletic at all but what to do if he wants to play baseball or if you want him in the group of your kids whether to be competitive or not tournaments or travel ball versus not I'm going to do all that stuff. If there's anything you want me to talk about, again, send me a DM at Coach HP. Send me an email, the Coach HP. What is it? The Coach HP at gmail.com. YouTube, if you're on the YouTube, leave it below. Ask questions, videos you want to see, something you want me to talk about. This is for you. It's incredible how passionate this audience is it's crazy i'm just as i say this i broke in a glove it's 9 40 here now i just broke in a glove for a kid that sent it to me from iowa and he's playing this weekend so i broke it in i'm gonna get it to him tomorrow i have another one in the way a parent from cleveland ohio tried twice to break in his custom kids rollings glove didn't do it sending it to me now same thing same thing subscribe give me love i love all of you you know how it goes today's episode i haven't done an intro like this for a while i've gotten i get lazy I, i'm like i can't do this i just put them up and i put them up like that jay-z song put them up put them up is it jay-z i think it's cassidy yeah cassidy the dude named cassidy was put them up put them up it's hard to breathe when the barrels in your mouth when the barrel's in your mouth, but it's not like barrels in your mouth. All right, guys, I'm out of control here. Today's guest, Evan Hafer. What a monster. Love this dude. Patriotic, ex-Navy SEAL, CIA, real guy. Before all that, he even played baseball. That's why the baseball thing's huge, guys. Sports sports for being the relationship builder that i tell you guys it's not always about your son reaching the major leagues or anything like that the relationship the building of relationship sports sports i'm telling you okay dude is a coffee aficionado creates black rifle coffee becomes a ceo blowing up my man's blowing up doing all kinds of shows, a million plus on the YouTube and subscribers, a million plus on Instagram. They're literally doing movies, the content, the message, what they're doing for veterans. I could go on and on and on of how proud I am of this dude, of how proud I am of our conversation went long. It was my uh, the last conversation of the year. I was pumped that I smoked a cigar to celebrate. I, I'm going to get this dude his own glove. We're going to go to San Antonio when I'm out there in February. We're going to create content. I'm going to go on his podcast. He has a great podcast. And we're just going to make it happen. And we're going to continue to spread positivity. If 
If you throw me inside, I'm going to turn on it. If you throw me outside, I'm going to take it the other way. You throw up the middle, it's gone. I'm going to run positivity down people's throats. This is the only channel that's slanging positivity all over the place, no matter what. So before I get carried away with positivity, let's get into my episode with the man from Black Rifle Coffee, Evan Hafer. Three, two, one, boom, Evan, and we are live. Dude, I, your guy sent me an email yesterday that I loved, bro. It said, Evan won't be back to civilization till tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, is that your happiest place, man, when you're out there? Yeah, I, I think so. I think uh, for for me and, and, you know, when I'm, when I'm disconnecting from reality, that's what I have to do. And in all reality, um, I was up in Idaho and my dad's worked for me for since I've started the company. So he's been working basically, he's, he's not working for free anymore because I eventually had to pay him because I didn't feel right. But, uh, I, I am a great debt of, of gratitude and ultimately I, I bought him a house so I bought him a house in uh, this small town out in Idaho, and it's a place where he wanted to live. And so now I'm going to spend the next couple months going back and forth, ripping the carpet and putting new flooring and stuff in it. So I'm in I'm in a good place. Like the company's in a good place. I can give back to the people that have helped me help me keep the lights on around here to include the customers. And so I was up there finalizing the paperwork, getting that deal done, and then flew back i was a little bit late i missed my flight going out there too so that's probably part of the reason let me ask you a question dude you mm-hmm. mentioned your relationship with pops there this whole show my whole success has been based on the father-son relationship with sports in the way it goes crazy where parents just have these weird crazy expectations of kids with sports yeah at least that's happened to me with you how was pops growing up with you man you know, he was great. He was a great dad. I think primarily what I tell people is he was a good example. I, I watched him get up at four thirty in the morning, go to work. Well, I didn't watch him. I could I could smell the coffee brewing before, well before I got up. And he, he would pack his lunch the night before. Uh, he would work from sun up to sundown before typically, uh, and I never saw him inebriated. Uh, I only saw him work really hard his entire life. Uh, I've never known him to lie. I've never known him to steal from people. I've never known him to not put in just an incredible amount of work on all his projects. And, and, uh, he provided not only, you know, food, water, shelter, but the basics, but he provided love. He, he loved me. So shit you can't really ask for a better a better parent than that. I know it's it's kind of in fashion for people to dog out their parents, but 
as a parent, you're just doing the best you can. And my dad was a great example. I don't think that I realized that till I was at least in my mid twenties. I think people, you, you get a little bit wonky in your teenage years. You start thinking that you know everything, dude. I I'm listen. I want to start a petition to eliminate about seventy five percent of the fucking math in high school. <laughs> yeah. Calculus, um, geometry. I think we need, but calculus, like these weird trigonometry, these weird things, algebra. Don't even get me started. Right. And how about we focus on being a man, being empathetic, being vulnerable, building relationships, how to be honest when you fuck up and it not be the end of the world. All these right. little things, man, that when you reach a certain age that you become a man, you're like, man, if I just would have known that, I just would have said, you know what, man, I messed up here. I'm sorry, my bad. And, and it would have gone on. There's a thing that I feel and I've read that the our brain doesn't really mature, bro, till we're like in like our mid-20s or something. Yeah, yeah. But the problem is, Evan, we look like men already yeah. at a real right. in high school, and nobody has any empathy for us whatsoever, bro. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, man? Well, I I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. You know, I've led uh 18, 19, 20, 20, 21, 22 year olds into combat. Uh, I was I was older when I went to combat. I was 26. So I think I had a fully developed brain. I think part of the reason that we run into a lot of uh, post-traumatic stress, a lot of mental health issues in the military is because we're sending men and women to combat too early. I, I think their brains aren't developed yet. I think that when you experience the, the act of combat or living in a combat zone at an 18 to 24 year old kid, I think that has long-term psychological and physical effects. And I think that you have less effects if you're experiencing that later in life. So I've thought a lot about it in the context of combat related, um, brain injuries and stress specifically. But I also think a lot about the adult male, as you mentioned, you look like a man and you sound like a man. You've got a deep voice. You've, you've got the physicality of, of, a, of a man, of a warrior. Right. You maybe have um, a beard who knows some of us, you know, who yeah. look a certain way, you know, yeah. but you're going to make really dumb decisions. And that's also part of life. Right. And in today's social media standards of you, you have to live up to an unrealistic expectation for your entire life. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine. We've been friends for 20 plus years. We we're talking about how if our entire life was documented digitally, what would people think of us based on what we had done when we were in te when we were teens? And one, it's, it's, it's impossible to live up to that standard because I lived in a small town. I was in trouble all the, all the damn time. And what town, uh, Evan, what town? I grew up in Lewiston, Idaho. So 23,000 people. Uh, it's a baseball town. Uh, Lewis Clark. You play baseball? I did, yeah. I played. All right, uh, let's talk some baseball. Real quick, buddy. <laughs> what position did you play? Uh, I I played second base because I didn't have an arm for shortstop. Uh, that's you know uh, that's what I played from little league all the way through high school. How was your hitting? Shit, I was a I was a, I was a, I was a, I was a horrible baseball player. I was 
I liked it. I thought it was, I, you know, I had a lot of fun and I grew up in a town where it was a baseball community. Uh, Isn't that where the Cubs have their minor league? Is that where the Cubs have their minor league? No, they have. So they have uh Lewis Clark state college, which is the NAIA. They've been the NAIA world champion okay. like decades. They, 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 they rule the roost at NAIA. Uh, and they had some legends come out of there as far as their college baseball careers. Um, but for a small town, man, like really, really incredibly gifted baseball community. And I, I considered it a gift uh, as far as like being able to play baseball in that town for growing up, growing up in a baseball family. My dad played baseball. Uh, no way, bro. Yeah. He played when was the last time you took a swing? Uh, shoot, man. I went to the batting cages probably a year ago. Well, we gotta, uh, we, we gotta hook you up, bro. We got some, <laughs> I got some 33s for Heck you right yeah. here. Yeah. Ready to go. Evan, I'm the biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball by far, bro. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm Cuban. You're going to have to unpack that for me. Tell me. Dude, I got you, bro. I'm, I was born in Cuba and my dad, it was just very popular in the eighties. My dad prepared me for everything to deal with in life, except to deal with him. And this dude, when I failed, would beat the shit out of me in front of everybody, man. And I never figured out why, because I was a good dude. Like, I never right. stole anything. I never. It'd be crazy if I wouldn't even dare talk back to him. Right. But he would just, he was living vicariously through yeah. me. And I was very good, but he was doing that through me. One of the reasons, and I want to see if you agree with me or not, bro. I think, and I'm so proud of you, man. I think you're one of the most important people right now with what's happening now in society for so many reasons, bro. But the top three for me are your mindset, how you've been able to come out of the military and live a successful life to your standards, not to anybody else. Because if there's athletes that are used and abused and thrown back to society and nobody cares about, I could only imagine the amount of warriors and soldiers that really get messed up. Because I can't tell you how many athletes I know that have identity issues, that have ego issues, and don't function in society, bro. The fact you're pulling off what you're pulling off Bro, I think you deserve a statue already, man. <laughs> and I just I just pray that you have so much success more because it's so important that the community, the kids, the, the, the young people see you, man. Do you feel that that pressure, that thing? No, uh-uh. I, I don't feel it. I you know, I, I don't look at myself as a success. I I uh I've I've looked at, you know, life. I've been pretty selfish my entire life, meaning uh, at 18 or 19 or whenever it was, I, I decided to go off and do something that I wanted to do. I wanted to go be a Green Beret. I, I thought that was a really interesting profession. Um, and it, a lot of my, my peer group, they, they didn't agree with those decisions. You know, a lot of us played, we, we've had to make multiple transitions, right? So we were athletes in high school, but none of us really, we, none of us really measured up to play in college. So then we right. had to make a transition into college, non-athlete, non-subculture. So then some guys found, you know, academics and some guys found, 
you know, weed and, and jam bands and, you know, whatever else they, they went in and they did. And then some guys didn't fit the college mold. So they dropped out and went and did other things. And, and that's cool, right? That's like, that's part of life. That's figuring it out. Um, I, what I want to do is just live a, an incredibly interesting life to me, right? I was super selfish, right? I wanted to be able to open up the story of my life and be able to read it internally and go, okay. And, and I made this really active decision at like 18 or 19 years old. I was like, if I were writing my own life and I have that ability to do that, what would it look like? So I had to start setting myself up and not looking at what my peers were doing as far as what was acceptable because they thought it was stupid. They were like, that's dumb. Why are you going to join the military? That's, it's kind of ridiculous. Evan, there's nobody really leaving your neighborhood, right? Like nobody leaves yeah. your town unless it's something like a, like a sports thing or yeah. a good excuse like that. Right. Yeah. It, it, you, you leave, uh, because you're going to go to, you're going to go play, uh, you know, football or baseball somewhere else at another college. And then you go off and a lot of people come back. Uh, a lot of people never leave. You know, there are 23,000 people in my town when I was growing up, that was 25 years ago. And there's 33,000 people in that town now. So run by a whopping 10,000 people. Um, and you know, to kind of go back to that as far as, uh, leadership is, is, is something I've always been inspired and motivated by people that had no idea they were probably inspiring or motivating me. Uh, so I think your actions always speak louder than words. I think the one thing that you can, you can do is, is go out and try to live what's an interesting life to you and work really hard. Because for me, I've always worked really hard at trying to accomplish those things that I felt were really interesting. So if I want to go be a green beret, I'm going to have to go be an infantryman first. I'm going to have to learn how to jump out of planes. I'm going to have to not quit at all the selections that you have to go through. And then as you're going through those experiences, you're finding out more and more about yourself. Like how, how deep do I have to dig? And then you're meeting more people and you're becoming uh, influenced by additional layers of leadership and mentors. So you have in my, in my life, I've got this wide variety of very eclectic people from nice. the, you know, from sports, from my father, from sports, from the military. And then when I went to work for the CIA, those are people over there all across these walks of life that I've had the opportunity to either work in and around these people or be introduced to them. And I try really hard to just look at what other people are doing not for something that I'm necessarily want to do, but how is it working for them? What are they doing? What in OJT is what we call it, right? It's like on the job training. It's always easier to look at what somebody's doing versus trying to read of read yeah, something. Bro. Hell yeah. Hell you know, yeah. and I've just been really selfish at le leading that type of life. But I do understand it, right? I understand it in probably a context that people aren't necessarily familiar with, which is I'm not trying to lead or inspire uh, people actively. That's not my goal. My goal is to go out and live a, a really fucking interesting life and leave nothing on the table. So if I were to be, you know, moon dust tomorrow, people 
are not going to be at my my funeral going that guy was boring as shit <laughs> Fuck this guy. let's do this to get the hell out of here yeah. <laughs> hey, who's your favorite baseball player growing up uh yeah you know what i was a huge barry sanders fan and uh so when it, no way the shortstop barry sanders huh well i i looked at all these guys in you know across the board i think like i grew up in that that era of like Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. I'm 43. Dude, you look so young. Bro, I thought you were like in your early 30s. I'm 41, so we're in the same era. Yeah, like, like found so the youth. Those are our guys, bro. Everybody yeah. you're mentioning are our guys. They're our guys. Like, those are the, 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 the posters I had on my wall were like, damn, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, Barry Sanders, Michael Jordan. Uh, a Bo Jackson. So like Bo yeah. Jackson, that's who I was actually meant to say was Bo Jackson, not Barry Sanders. Um, but Bo Jackson was like the, the guy, like he was the icon of icons in my Evan, life. Isn't it crazy that he looks nothing like his vibe now was like way different than what you thought Bo Jackson would be. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I Dude, saw him like the 30 for 30 and he just looks like a, like a teacher or something. I know. I saw him. <laughs> I was I saw him last year or two years ago in Las Vegas at a uh, at an event. I was invited to this event and I was speaking and he was speaking. And I I I don't get like you know nervous around people right, right. typically, but I was like I I walked up to him and was like, hey man, I don't want this to be creepy as shit. But I had your poster on my wall for like ten years. <laughs> ten years. Evan, like, are you are you a I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb here, bro. Yeah. Are you a high sock guy? Would you wear high socks? Oh yeah. Play? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, dude. Like, we had. Uh, I mean, and that was part of the whole cool, cool people, shit, right? It's like don't understand that baseball players. Listen, bro. Baseball players. There's three things we worry about, bro. This is it. You worry about playing, obviously. Yeah. Your vibe. Yeah. The look, You've what you luck. got going on is huge. And the third one is chicks. So those are the yeah. three things that baseball players worry about, bro. So let's talk about your look for a second. So, okay. So we're rocking the high socks. Any kind of like fucking wristbands. What are we wearing? You know it. Like, so I had a Wilson, was an A2000. You remember those A2000 mitts back Hell in yeah. the day? So like a Wilson A2000 that was just beat to shit it was an like i still remember that mid today as one of my favorite things that i could have ever had like when you put it on you say catcher's mid or second basement second base i'm gonna fucking I, i'm gonna get you I'm a, you know i'm the first influencer to sign with rawlings really i didn't know that fuck yeah bro i'm gonna get you well i'm gonna get you i'm gonna give you a custom we're gonna hook you i'm gonna hook you up that'd be rad yeah yeah but this thing you know i put I remember taking it through like saddle soap and oils and in the ball, the way that thing would land in your hand was Sick, when it, man. when it, when it hit and it hit the right spot, it was sublime, right? It was like, it's like hitting a baseball in the sweet spot of a bat Hell yeah, man. and catching a ball. That's a, that's a, a fucking laser and catching it in the right spot of your mitt and turning a double play there are very few things that in life that you can say feel better than turning a fucking clean double play. Like there are very few things in life that, that you can bad than the home run are there, bro. Because if you think about a home run, bro, it literally 
stops everything so you can round the back. You got your shot. Yeah. Like they can't rush you. They would love to, but they, <laughs> they which is can't. crazy because the other sports in football, you get a touchdown immediately. The referee, if you celebrate too much, there's a penalty. Yeah. Basketball, you can't do it. But baseball, man, it really stops, dude. That is, it is so crazy that you're a baseball guy. Evan, I've ran away from baseball my whole life. It's the, it's the sport that cost me so much abuse, bro. And as an adult, it's the sport that brought me so much joy and so much. I'm like the kid whisperer, bro. I get about 500 to a thousand DMs a week. And I heard of you because one of the kids talked about you, man. Mm-hmm. I was like, who's this guy? So I, a lot of people, you got to get Evan on the show. You got to get him on the show. So that's what I try to preach that sports is a relationship thing, man. Us being on the team, us fucking around after the game, where we go eat, where we're going to do. And parents now want to hack that to turn their kids into this machine that makes it, bro. Right. And our best memories are playing with each other, bro. What we miss the most is yeah. that fucking around in the dugout. Yeah. I mean, and I can still feel it, right? You can yeah, still bro. feel the metal cleats like, like scratching on the concrete in the dugout or when you when you hit the, the, the side of the bat against your cleat and the, then the mud would fall out, yeah, bro. The mud would fall out all those things. And the guys that I, I still talk to today, like my friends that I've, I've had for 30 years are the guys that we were fucking around in the dugout. We were on, you know, buses going to different towns around our, our, you know, Northern Idaho and Washington going to different games. I was just in my hometown and uh talking to guys that i've known since i was five six years old and you know nothing's changed like i can go three or four or five years ten years not talk to these guys and text them out of the blue and have the same conversation we've been having since we were 16 years old like get the you know like what are you doing dipshit or what are you doing (laughs) and it's like you know i was on rogan's show uh, not that I'm not, jo- I'm not dropping Joe's drop whoever the fuck you want, bro. You've earned but it. I was on, I was on Rogan's show. Hell yeah. And you know, my buddies, you know who your real friends are because it wasn't the dudes like congratulating you. It was like, you look like a fucking douchebag. Like a dickhead. <laughs> what are you talking about? Bro? <laughs> I was like, nice shirt, nice hat. Like, like not one compliment, not, not, not one compliment, compliment not one compliment, not one like, Hey, that's awesome. It was like, I'm so proud of you. None of no, that shit, bro. No, none of that shit. Actually, I would feel, <laughs> I would be, I, I would be taken aback by somebody if they're like, "Hey, man, I watched that show or listened to it. It was really good." Most of the time, it's like, "Hey, man, you look still look like the same douchebag I've always known for thirty years." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." Evan, I'm, do you remember your first pair of good cleats, man? Oh yeah, dude. I, what were I, they? Um. Let me think because I've got I've got a couple really good ones that I've that I really really because like. Because options weren't that much available when we were young. No. We played. You know what I had is I had these these like one I had practice cleats, so we had the soft shoe cleats that I really okay. loved that were like this smooth kind of like I think they were Adidas. I wore those everywhere because you wore those shoes and people knew like oh well that guy's a, a baseball, baseball player. Yeah, right? yeah, it's a baseball guy. The turf. Yeah. It's a baseball guy. <laughs> And, uh, I'm trying to think, I think they were, I, 
I can't even remember. I remember like my mitt. I remember like what cleats and I remember what cleats were cool. I grew up in a small town. So when you, when you went to the, 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 the store, right. You had limited options, but I can tell you, I remember my first pair of my, I remember my first pair of Jordans. I remember those for sure. What number? Which number were they? Yeah. Do you like, remember? I got, so there were the, the first gen were I, the first gen, they had the plastic on the sides, like that little triangle. They had a different colored, uh, tongue with like the mesh on the sides. But my first pair were the mid tops with the reflective tongue. And I remember saving as much as I could to try to get those because they were expensive. They're like a hundred dollars. And for back then there wasn't a shoe that's a hundred bucks. No, that was like the first $100 pair of shoes. And And you wore those things and it's crazy, bro. Like you put on those shoes and you felt like Michael Jordan. Like you felt you played like Michael Jordan. Yeah. As a kid, you, want nothing more than to like feel connected to one of those icons, right? Like, like one of those guys. And I had those Jordans and you remember the, um, and we weren't, we weren't wealthy. So like for me to get a pair of Jordans, I was like, that was legit. Yeah. 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 I didn't, I didn't get the first pair because there's nowhere my parents were going to there. There's no way my parents were going to spring for that. But I sprung on the second gen and then, uh, and the other ones were like, my buddies had those pumps. You remember those Reebok? Pumps? Hell yeah, bro. <laughs> pumps, bro. I was a big deal, those pumps were big, man. When, when they, they were Shaq made them Shaq. And I, and I think somebody, I don't know if Dominic Wilkins had those too, but I know Shaq made those shoes. Like Reebok was legit when we were young, man. It was huge. They well, Reebok dominated them. before yep. Nike signed Jordan. And I didn't understand this as a kid. Like I was just like, you know, yeah, Nikes or Nikes yeah. or whatever, but Nike made running shoes and everybody else. Like you wanted to be one of those guys. Like you wanted Hell to be yeah. like Jordan. I'm like, I'm a five, seven white guy. I'm never going to be playing in the <laughs> NBA. I got to like <laughs> come to some facts here. You know what I mean? But as a kid, you still think you can be Michael you Jordan know, because you don't know. You don't know that people are six seven. You don't know what their skill sets are. As long as you're beating your boys in your backyard, you're like, I, I got a shot here. Like I'm dunking on you on this Nerf <laughs> basketball hoop. Like, yeah, I'm taking That's you to six school. Big six feet tall hoop. I'm, I'm the man. I'm doing three sixties. Yeah. I'd watch that. Michael Jordan had a documentary that could fly with me. Documentary. I'd watch that and go outside and pretend I'm like. <laughs> Was it good? I haven't seen it yet. I've heard everybody tell me. The first one? Yeah, man. Everything. It was so. It's like you guys, bro. When I watch you guys, what you're doing. And remember, a lot of a lot of the things you're doing, only people that know a little bit of your world understand how hard it is to make content. Yeah. Just that alone. Forget that the content is good, which your content, your guys' content is fucking amazing. Just to consistently make content. Is work, man. Whether it's yourself, whether you're hiring somebody, because, dude, you yesterday you're in the fucking woods up there that's freezing, and you gotta have a guy that can knows what he's doing in those elements to capture all that stuff, man. Your commitment to content. How did that start? Uh, it it was fairly easy in the sense of you have to be able to communicate to customers, and the most 
effective and inexpensive means in order to communicate customers is through social media. And uh, for me, it was just a matter of necessity. It was how do we communicate to our customers in the most cost-effective way? And all of us, we, we like to think that we're, we're funny and Matt Best, myself, Jared Taylor, we have all these like crazy ideas where like, this is, this would be a funny skit. Uh, we could make fun of somebody doing this. Oh, by the way, we also have to sell some shit while we're making funny videos. So I love coffee. I've been roasting coffee forever. So when we were just merging these two things in this sense of we're going to create a great product and then pump out what we think is funny. And then if people like it or they don't like it, ultimately they're going to vote on it because they're either going to share it and like it or they're not. So you have instant feedback as far as being able to communicate to an audience, whether or not they like it or they don't, they tell you within minutes, whether or not they like it within 24 hours, you know, whether or not it's a success or it's a failure, whether or not you need to do it again or don't do it again. We love doing it. It's fuck. It's, it's fun. That's fun. So Evan, when, when you thought of that, did you already have a crew in mind or did you guys do it yourself or have you always hired a crew? We did it ourselves. So every one of us, when we first started, uh, you know, those skills are, they're not as prominent for me anymore, but I, I can still edit. I can still put things in. What would you edit on? What would you edit on? What software? Oh man. We would just use iMovie. Like we, we did everything. We did everything on iMovie for the longest time. Jared Taylor was the only guy that knew like final cut. And, um, people don't understand that, man. That's huge. It was huge. Like Matt, for the longest time he was using iMovie and he, he had hundreds of millions of views using iMovie just not not devaluating or devaluing anything that he he had done he was just like that's a software that i knew i could put things in sequence i could you know do everything that i needed it to do now of course he's 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 using final cut pro and you know he still edits a huge percentage of his videos really wow yeah and he is his last uh veterans versus sci-fi that we did it was a full crew. We had probably 30 plus people out there. We filmed for multiple days and he's been in post on that thing for a year. Wow. So nine months just going back and forth. That's the beauty of this is we get to work on things that we really love working on. We get, I get to develop all the coffees, design all the bags, come up with crazy ideas for content. Uh, Matt, myself, and Jared, we work on this stuff all the time. Every morning, I'll call Jared. He'll call me. We'll talk about what kind of crazy video idea that we have. How can we do it? You know, so we're working on a cartoon and it's just fun. So we got the business to a point where, you know, there's 440 plus people that work in the business. I don't have to do all the finance and accounting anymore, right? I've paid. I pay people to do that. Uh, I don't have to do the editing anymore, but I like to at least have input and have editors. Right, 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 right. right. So we just get to ideate and be in ideation and creative mode all the time. Six years, we started, we've had this company now for six plus years, Um, 440 employees, give or take. 
There's probably wow. more. Um, and now we get to be, what, what I tell people is we have an adult brain with adult experiences, adult money, and a child imagination. That's the best. I, I don't have to. You can't you know, lose, bro. You, you can't. can't lose. I can you stay there. Lose. So with my kids, it's easy. They're three and seven. I, I always tell people, I'm like, well, we're basically the same age because I can go into <laughs> imagination land and fuck off with them. And they're like, oh, dad's pretty fun. He's not a dick. You That's know, I don't come dude. home. Let me ask you a question. The kids, boy or girl, what do you have? I have two girls, three and seven. Two girls. You going to try for a boy or no, you're done? No, my wife, uh, I've run that by her and she's like, yeah, that's never going to happen, dude. I'm 40 years old. I'm too, I'm too, I'm too tired. You're too tired, (laughs) huh? I have a two-year-old girl and a three-month-year-old boy. Oh, wow. So you're sleep deprived right now. I'm in the mix, dude. And I'm creating content 24-7. And I got the most positive podcast on the internet. And I got the hottest guest right now in the game. (laughs) how, How can we lose, bro? How can we lose? It's, it's, it's crazy, man. When you're 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 dude i had my kids and i started my business and i was i i i feel i i, I probably feel where you're at man like pumping out content and having kids it, it it's it never ends like i it never ends i was i was exhausted the first five years of this business i didn't sleep i was sleeping like two three hours a night how old were you when you got married uh, 36, which is a great, I got married at 37, which is a yeah. great age, man. That's another thing we should talk about. You know, people don't, guys get roped up too quick. We don't know what's up. We haven't lived the world yet. The first hot girl or the first kind of girl that we get a little thing for, we kind of do that. I'm like you, man. I got lucky, but just not for those reasons. I grew up here, was born in Cuba, grew up here in Miami. Then I, after I failed miserably in baseball, got a, they never got drafted because I never performed. The reason why I say I'm a failure is the amount of abuse, physical abuse I took for baseball, I never added up to. I never performed to the level that I thought I was for all the shit I took, bro. It was horrible, man. Horrible. Never did anything. We never did any vacation. And right. my dad was never a fucking cool guy. So I see you with your dad, and I'm like, fuck, man. And I just want my son to look at me and go, bro, Pops is a fucking cool dude in whatever we did. And your dad did something interesting with you that you said. He took you hunting, what, one time? A few more times than that. It was a, more of a it's joke. Of a jab at him. Yeah, okay. I was just jabbing at him. But your dad, from what it seems like, like he opened you to the world mm-hmm. to do different things. My dad didn't. It was just 24-7 baseball. So that's a one, that's a, such a big responsibility on a sport that you're supposed to fail, bro, so much, man. And like you, I said, I'm fucking out of here, bro. I got to live a life that this life sucks. So, bro, I moved to Los Angeles and I lived in a car for six months. I didn't know a single person. And I go, I'm going to become an actor. I go, that's it. I'm going to look how crazy this is. I'm going to become an actor. And the professor, that's why I think everything happens for for a reason, Evan, it's crazy, bro. The professor who my first lesson that I took after six months in my car, I would shower at the Equinox. I would get food at whatever hotels around there in Hollywood. Was a guy named Gary Austin that created the Groundlings that when Helen Hunt won her Academy Award for as good as it gets, she thanked him. Wow. The dude's a beast at improvisational teaching and stuff. I didn't know I was going to be a speaker. I didn't know I was going to travel the world doing what I do now. Right. He was wearing in his first class, Evan, a retro Houston Astros baseball jacket. 
And this is me running away from baseball. Yeah. I go, I'm going to go to Hollywood, forget baseball. And he looked and he said a baseball analogy that first day. And I raised <laughs> my hand. I go, professor, you're absolutely right. Look, I used to play baseball. And bro, we became boys. I lived with him in exchange for classes. I learned, I could, would cut his grass. I would drive him around. The acting never hit, but I became a celebrity baseball coach out of that only because I was one of the few guys that was able to tell wealthy parents what they need and celebrity parents, what they yeah. need to do with the kids. I was super honest. I go, listen, you got to be here because one of the things, one of the biggest bonding things I'm sure you have with your dad is, bro, you at a game and you're looking and your pops is there cheering you. That's never happening again. Even now when you have, mm -hmm. you could have a, a million views on a thing. Your dad's not going to call you. Hey, son, you crossed him at a million views. He yeah. doesn't understand that. Yeah. But baseball is one of the few things, bro. And I wanted to make sure that that parents don't screw that up, bro. You know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean. Like my, my dad wasn't, he wasn't really that hard on, on me. when it came to baseball, um, and not even close, obviously to the, the experiences you had, he was hard on me when it came to work. Yeah. Like, and his dad was hard on him when it came to work you know, his dad was, is one of those generational issues, right? It's oh, yeah. like, yeah. you have to get up, you have to go to work, you have to create, you know, value, you have to contribute. Um, and one of the things that, that I had to really kind of sort through, I think was a, a it was a dad that emphasized work more than anything. Uh, so there wasn't one specific thing. It wasn't baseball. It wasn't, you know, I played golf too. I played, I love tried golf. to play a lot of different things. Love golf, love, love golf. Love it. Evan, look, look how successful you are, bro. We're at 36 minutes into this, and we're not even talking about the real reason why you're here. That's like crazy, you know? Like your number <laughs> one success, we haven't even brought up the coffee stuff yet, bro. That's how fucking, that's how much you're crushing it, bro. Yeah. Listen, I'm Cuban. We drink Cuban coffee. I don't even know what the fuck that is. I just know it's been Cuban coffee my whole life. I've never had any other kind of coffee in my life. I don't do any other coffee, right? But Talk it's coffee. good. Hell yeah, it's good. I don't drink it at all, but I love, listen, so, I love everything that you do from afar. I don't do any of it, but I'm a big supporter of it. Let's talk some coffee, bro. Hit me with it. I, I got to talk Cuba for a minute, man. I, I, I'm super intrigued by this because mm -hmm. you grew up, you grew up in Cuba. How, mm. how old were you when you came to the United States? Oh, wait, I don't smoke cigars that much, but you're my last guest of 2020. So this is a celebration for you uh, nice. for having you on. Okay. So. Cuba for us is very interesting because I was born in Cuba, but my first birthday was in Spain. And then we moved straight to Miami because at the time Castro wasn't allowing Cubans right. to leave straight to Miami. We either had to, unless you fled on a boat and I left yeah. right before the Mario boat lift. Okay. So it was yeah. either Mexico, Costa Rica, Honduras, or Spain. Yeah. And we got lucky that we got Spain. And then we went from Spain to Miami. That's why I still have an accent. I have a regional Miami accent. Because here we don't speak. It's English, Spanish, the whole yeah. thing. But I'm Cuban. I'm super Cuban. Yeah. But I've never been to Cuba. Wow. You know? Yeah, I've never been to Cuba. All I've heard my whole life is that Castro is the worst person in the world. Right. That it's the worst thing. And Cuba, for us Cubans, isn't what you see now. It was the 50s where it's like, yeah. it was amazing. You know, now it's sad, bro. Yeah. You got beautiful beaches, great people. And Evan, to be Cuban is the best of both worlds because you have the Europeanness of the Spaniards, right. but you have like that African island 
rhythm thing and the fucking sense of humor and the fucking around. And if you add now that we're American, because I consider myself American, right? Bro, now I speak Spanglish and I got the American twist, and it's the greatest thing in the world, bro. The only thing that we have to worry about, at least us Cubans, is the fucking machismo and the testosterone, bro. That's what we yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting because I know um I know a little bit about Cuba because I, I was I was a I, I love history and i love the history the 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 especially the cold war and so you know knowing kind of the fall of batista when castro came in uh after the revolution there was so much promise to include hemingway obviously lived there uh and i'm a huge hemingway fan so i've 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 read everything that hemingway's ever put out to to his house in the keys oh yeah oh yeah yeah, I I went there when I was like nineteen. That was like one of my first places. You saw the cats. You saw the cats. Oh yeah, all the fucking six-toed cats. Six-toed and, cats. Yeah, like, bro. And uh, and I I've always wanted to go to Cuba because of that nineteen fifties vibe, Cuban vibe. Like it was, it's such a interesting dynamic and when you're reading about cuba in the 1950s and 1960s not so much post castro cuba you can almost smell like the food and the music and at, at you remember that jazz band a few years ago is the afro cuban all-stars you remember yeah, those well, guys? the Vista social club right yeah the bonavista social club that's yeah. right and those guys like i had that cd in my in my freaking jeep and I don't know if anything else came out of that for probably a year. I was listening to that forever. Oh, I took key, I took salsa lessons with my ex girlfriend. I was like, "Look at you, bro, dude!" I I was enamored with just the history of Cuba, and then the the Cuban history within Miami and Florida, and how all the people from the the more of the pro Batista nineteen fifties more democratic Cubans came to the United States, but it's so interesting because every year there was the Bay of pigs, the invasion back in, I think that was 60. And there were a group of Cubans that had a, and they still do. They have a reunion every year and they're getting old now. So there's probably only a few of them left that have a reunion in, I think Miami every year where they would all get together and they would all talk about taking it to Castro, trying to fucking overthrow Cuba. And so the CIA and Cuba and America, all this like 1950s, 1960s history with yeah. right with like Hemingway and, you know, fishing and dancing and, you know, rum, like all this like fucking the rad. This girl and these be beautiful people yeah. who are super friendly, man. Cubans, yeah. we have this thing, you know, that we're. Super friendly. And it's crazy, man, because look how interesting life is, bro. I look at now your life, right? And where do you live right now? Utah. Okay. So I watch your life and I'm like, bro, look at this guy's life, man. It's awesome. Hunting. It's what he's done his whole life. Music, the coffee, the setting, the beautiful office, the backdrop. I've never seen, I've seen snow. If you thought, it couldn't be totally different backgrounds, you know? But there's, I think of you and I just, just having you on this show makes me more American. You know, does that make sense? Like <laughs> I feel such good patriotism, bro. And I'm so proud of this country 
and what it's done and what it stands for. I don't give a fuck what anybody else says or what anybody thinks or who the president is or who the next president is going to be or who the next president is going to be for the next billion years. What I care about as an immigrant is, bro, how proud I am of Americans, bro. As in general, there's pieces of shit in all fucking culture. Yeah. But I'm so proud of you guys, man. And it was one of my reasons to, big reasons to have you on, especially as the last guest, because, bro, you're living your American dream. You're not fucking now going to Hollywood because you can do it. You can move. You could go to Hollywood, get a mansion somewhere, start right. rolling this and that, and just uh, you're staying in your lane. You're playing with your toys because every successful adult has certain toys they play with. Some yeah. of them are legal, some of them are illegal. But the, <laughs> the fact that you're such a good role model, bro, without even wanting to be, which is maybe why you are a good role model, you're not full of shit. You're a family guy. You're raising two girls. You're in a successful marriage, which even people I know a successful marriage, what does that even mean? It means that you're fighting every single day yeah. to keep it going. And when your wife has to understand, listen, babe, I got to go to fucking uh, out of civilization again. I'm sure she's like, fuck, man, again, you got to go. Oh, babe, I got to go. Be it's hard, bro. But you're living that, bro. Do you feel that, dude? Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I feel it. And I think even more importantly, like, like, um, you know, the South American connection to, to coffee, for instance, whether it's, you know, Mexico, any of the Central and South American countries to include, we'll call Cuba in that as well, which I'm not, I know that it's not South America, but we'll call it part of the Southern Hemisphere. Like being able to get into coffee, and I spent the majority of my adult life out of the country. So for me, like as an American, uh, you know, I grew up poor. My family were basic. They were, they were, you know, second generation Americans here, you know, so we were still working for everything we had, right. It was, there wasn't generational wealth. Uh, my grandfather was a sheep herder. My dad was a logger. My, on my mother's side, it was the same thing as a logger. We lived in a very small town, 800 people in the middle of freaking nowhere. Evan, you're uh, an only child? No, I've got a sister. She's six years older. She works for us too. My okay. dad works for us. My sister works for us. So that's beautiful, man. I grew up in really isolated America, right? So like everybody looks the same. We're all a bunch of white people out in the middle of Idaho. There's like a few people from different places. But as soon as I got out, I started going out of the country and different places and looking at different cultures and finding everybody has these similarities and I'm, I'm the same sheet of music you are. I'm so proud of this country because of the people that, that get to this country. And I truly believe this, like the immigrants that continue to, to get to the country and work for everything they have because they really fucking have to grind. Like they got to grind. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite stories was this, this, uh, one of my interpreters that worked with us in the invasion of Iraq, he's an Iraqi. And I lived with a group of Iraqis that used to live in Iraq and then they went to the United States and then they came back to Iraq with us and talking to them about their stories and like opening up my world to outside of these small towns in Idaho and, you know, all the people that kind of look and sound way different than I do, but they're still American. Right. And oh, they're yeah. even more American. Like, I'm like, fuck, you guys have earned it. <laughs> like you have earned yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my buddy Neiman, this dude was such a bad mofo, man. 
Iraqi was a school teacher and a soccer coach. He was in the Shia uprising in 93 after the 91 invasion. He was displaced down in, in to uh, Kuwait and Saudi Arabia. He bartered for his life. He overthrew with a group of uh, other guys. They, they bartered with their lives by taking over a couple tanks and some refugee camp. Went to Beirut, sought refugee status, got to the United States, landed in Boston, Massachusetts, not speaking a lick of English. Damn, that's crazy. In three years, he'd earned an electrical engineering degree from a college in Boston, went to work for Motorola out in Texas. The first time he'd been back into Iraq since 1993 was the day that we got to, or was, was the month of March on the invasion of Iraq. We got to be the catalyst between him seeing his family for the first time in 10 years. And it was incredible, man. It was just this incredibly surreal experience that, made me understand what America was all about, right? Like, and what I believe America is all about, what I love about this country and the freedoms that we have and the, the wide variety of, of immigrants that come to the United States that make this place so special. And the thing that binds us all, it's like, we all want the same thing. Yeah, right. We want to work our asses off and we basically want to be left the fuck alone so we can earn our place at the table. Right. And that's what I believe in and what I love about this country, because I truly think that this is one of the only places left in the world where you can land here with fucking nothing. And in a few years after grinding the shit out of it with a little bit of hard work and a little or a lot of hard work and a little bit of intelligence, you'll be graduating with an electrical engineering degree, getting a six figure job at Motorola, living your best life with it and, and enjoying it. Right. I wish that was politics, bro. I wish politics was a, how can we enjoy more life? Take care of each other, keep the crime low, and just have fun. And man, let's go see what Utah's like. I never been to Utah. Hey, man, let's go see what Miami's like. I never been to right. Miami. Let's see California. Let's see New York. It's 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 so crazy, bro. You have a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Free Range How's, American. What's it called? Free Range American, right, Sam? Free Range American. How has that experience been to you? What makes a good podcast? Like, talk to me about that, man. Well, it's just conversations like this, right? It's, you know, bringing in, we bring in a wide variety of people, you know, like uh, people typically, what what I've been going through the last couple of years is I want to showcase people's hard work. You know, that's the, the mission statement of Free Range American is to live the American dream through hard work and adventure. That's all it is. I love that. Push, push yourself, figure it out. So a lot of this stuff is entrepreneurial. A lot of this stuff is guys that are like thinking outside of the box or solving problems. They're, they're just kind of kicking ass. And we go out and we do these little mini adventures, you know, go elk hunting or I've been doing a lot of archery. So that's one of the things that I, for me, I tell myself is I, I, I like to hit targets with projectiles. I like to, you know, if it's, you know, ski ball, whether it's, you know, throwing an arrow or shooting a gun, hitting a target. I, I don't really care. I like the game of hitting a target for accuracy, whatever that might be. I nice. think it's fucking amazing and it's super fun. So if you're like, Hey, let's go to the football field and, you know, try to punt field goals. I'll be like, fuck. Yeah. That sounds great to me. That sounds like a great time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I truly enjoy all that. So as an adult with, as like, toys or anything that we're into 
I call myself a projectile enthusiast. I go out and I talk to other people that are doing weird ass shit in this land. Uh, you know, for us, I, I was just talking to a guy, um, the other day, it's, it's funny. He lives out in Texas where we we've got a, we've got another facility in San Antonio, Texas, and he's, he's a place for an NBA team. Uh, and I, I don't follow basketball at all, but he saw my truck out there as a black rifle coffee. Cause he's looking at the back porch of his, his house. And he's like, Hey man, he hit me up on Instagram. It's like, Hey man, I fucking love coffee. Uh, can you send me some coffee for pregame? And I was like, hell yeah. And then I hit him up. I was like, Hey, we got a range right here. Cause I scrolled through his Instagram and then saw the guys like into shooting and hunting and all this hey, other crazy ass awesome. shit. So literally we became friends like instantly, here's a guy that's like 10 feet tall. I'm like two feet tall. You know, he plays for the, you know, he's an NBA player, you know, right. but where we're bonding is over just hitting targets, hitting targets. with uh, a, a, a rifle or a pistol. We're on different political sides, but you know what side we're on? We're on team fucking America. That's oh, what yeah. team we're on, right? That's so that's the side that matters. That's the only side that matters. It's the only team that matters, man. It's only like team America. The red, white, and blue. That's the uniform that matters. Let's talk merch, bro. Your merch is amazing, dude. I'm a big fan of the merch. Only one I could find with this one, but I'm going to oh, appreciate it. Yeah. I love this, dude. What? Uh, I love the one with the knife that says the yeah, stuff. Yeah. All those ideas. Who comes up with those ideas? 90% of it's me. Um, nice. I, I do uh, most of the design work. Uh, Matt and Jared, Logan Stark, they do the majority of the, they do a lot of the content. I plug in on the content. I do the coffee, the merch. Um, you know, I've got uh, a sketch pad that I use on, on my iPad. So I draw uh, a little bit. I wouldn't say that I'm that that great of an artist, but what I can do is I can get concepts out and it I can yeah, yeah, please, please real good, bro. Yeah. And I can talk to, I've got a couple artists full time here. And so I'll go down, I'll talk to those guys and be like, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm trying to encapsulate. Uh, what do you guys think? And then they'll come back and they'll say, Hey, this is what we got. And a lot of this stuff is, is, it's just as crazy as I want to make it like our new, our new stuff and definitely not a plug for the new stuff, the new stuff in 2021, people Evan, are probably going to think whatever, that I'm like, whatever oh. you want, no, no, no. <laughs> whatever the fuck you want, bro. This is your time. I don't care if we go over, you plug, I don't care if you want to plug the, and it was reindeer anglers you got back there. Plug oh yeah. Away. My, my fucking, uh, <laughs> my, my elk anglers. No, whatever you want, dude, you plug. I, I think a lot of people are going to be like, dude, are you guys on, psychedelics or what's going on well, because... i've never drank in my life so i've never <laughs> i have i have respect for everybody everybody does their own thing as long as you're not a bad person you're not hating on somebody yeah. doing violence i don't care what you're on bro mm -hmm. just be a good person man so i love the merch evan what's your favorite type of music uh so it depends on what i'm doing so I, I choose music based on activities. I typically don't listen to music if I'm just driving in my car. I listen to podcasts. Uh, but I listen to uh, classical music, which typically is going to be Vivaldi if I'm working. So I have to have something going on. It's classical. I listen to a lot of jazz. So Thelonious Monk is uh, probably the, the, in my mind, I think he's probably one of the most iconic jazz musicians really? ever. What's his name? Thelonious Monk. Thelonious um, Monk. Okay. <laughs> he's, a, he's a bad motherfucker. What's he's your favorite a, song of his? 
Which song? Yeah, um, do you like that stands out in particular? No, like I'll play it in the background, and I, it's like when I go with uh, Thelonious Monk, um, Miles Davis. Obviously, is kind of a everybody knows Miles uh, for the most part. I listen to, uh, like, if I'm on Spotify, I'll just put in something, and then it'll like come up. So I'm Thelonious, gonna send you some Cuban dudes that you're gonna like. Please do. You're gonna I'll like. Listen it. To it. I'm gonna send you a the the guy who sang in Buena Vista Social Club's name's Ibrahim Ferrer. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna like him, and I'm gonna. There's another guy named Benny Moray. You're gonna really like it. It's that '50s kind of music. I'm gonna send it. to I you. I love that shit. You're gonna. I love, love that shit. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. I um, asked. Uh, go for it. Go for it. Well, and and then if I'm if I'm working out, I do like really heavy, f- fucking like Pantera heavy or shit, yeah. Five Finger Death Punch or something crazy like that. There are times like I listen to country at times, like one of my good friends, he's a country music uh, star, but he doesn't act like a star. He's just a fucking great dude. Uh, so I've gotten more into country too, nice. which is it's relaxing. I, it's fun. It makes you feel good. Right. Yeah. And, and there's some like really cool old, I like the older country, like Waylon Jennings and some okay. of this like really cool Sturgill Simpson, I think is like, got some really cool shit that he's doing in, in country. So I'm kind of all over the map. Like I, 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 my music life is a lot like my life, right? I don't nice. kind of limit myself to one specific type of music. I, I like to listen to things that it kind of enhance the the experience for whatever I'm trying to kind of work through. Work music is something that's like, it's got to play in the background. It does. It can't have a lot of vocals to it. It's got to be kind of upbeat, inspirational, uh, instrumental. And I really, I, I went through a pretty, pretty extensive jazz, um, a jazz phase for quite a while. There's like, I would go to these jazz festivals and, and hit a lot of fucking jazz bars in Seattle. And, uh, well, I went to some jazz, uh, jazz bars down in Miami too. when I was down there and went to New Orleans and kind of like, I went through a, a pretty good jazz phase for quite a while. Nice. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of my music background, man. I, uh, I I don't really kind of latch onto one thing for too long. I just kind of go from from piece to piece, I guess. I asked uh, a bunch of people any questions for you, mm-hmm. and the, one of the ones that really came was more frequent was at some point you sold all your stuff for your mm-hmm. company. Yeah, what kept you going after that? Um, you know, material possessions are just that, right? They're, um, you know, granted money, it's, it's easy to say money doesn't matter when you have money, right? Super fucking easy to say that. And that's a stupid statement. Like it's, it's a stupid fucking statement because when you're trying to make a lot of shit happen, you need money. Money is like the fuel in your car that keeps you moving on top of the workload that you, you, you still have to drive the car, but you got to put gas in it. Right. Right. And so whatever that utopian bullshit that people say about like, Oh, you know, find something that you love and you'll never work another day, whatever Pinterest bullshit thing that they talk about like that. That's, that's one way to think about it. Um, I don't think it works. I don't think it works for the majority of people. I think that you have to look at, at material possessions as, things that ultimately enhance your life, but they, they aren't your life, right? They aren't your life. And, um, 
what kept me going was one, I have kids and, you know, and I wanted to have a company. I wanted to have a company with people that I could build this ecosystem. And really I had this vision of, you know, I wanted a, 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 a gym and, um, uh, you know, a, a, a group of veterans and other people in business that were all working together to solve problems that were interesting. I like team sports. Like that's the other piece. And I, I know I'm kind of all over the map. What kept me going was this vision of the future and the ecosystem that said material possessions don't matter. You have to sell that shit to get the money that you'll need in order to, to fund the bigger picture idea. You'll right. be able to, if you're successful with the bigger picture idea, you'll either not need it anymore. Right. Or you'll be able to buy that shit back. It's just, it's just material crap. Yeah. You, you can go down and buy it. They're, they're not going to stop making cars, by the way, just so everybody knows, like they're not going to stop making shit. Oh, they make them better. They make, yeah, them they're going to make them better. So it's like, I sold everything I had. Uh, I didn't want to say everything, everything that wasn't nailed down. Uh, what hurt the most, Evan? What hurt the most that you sold? You're like, fuck man. Uh, man, I had, I had over the course of my, my professional career, like I had a really cool, gun safe full of cool shit cool guns and uh yeah and i i had to sell all that and i had to sell like i you know i had like night vision goggles and you know cool truck and i had i had a a you know a house in colorado and a house in a, in a condo in seattle you know i i'd been working for 10 years at the cia you know making pretty good a pretty good living and i was also deployed all the time so i could save a bunch of money so i had shit i had stuff that i could sell and i sold it all uh and what i what i was investing in was just saying if i'm going to sell all this stuff i could invest in myself and in yeah. my future and what i can build and now i can honestly say that i i i can go and buy any of the shit that i sold back half of it i don't want anymore uh, I, or I didn't use it or I have better shit now, you know, I have, yeah. I have, I have a better truck now. I have a better, a better F-150 than I had, you know, six and a half years ago. And I look at it like this, which is when you're in a survival situation, you're, you're everything that you have, you have to repurpose to live. You have to repurpose that shit. You might have to fashion a knife out of, you know, something that you truly cherished. And you might have to, you know, rip apart a bunch of, you know, really cool stuff to fashion the, the, the stuff that's going to keep you warm. Or that, you know, $15,000 watch that you, you bought, your Panerai or whatever, your Rolex. Yeah, whatever bullshit, maybe, yeah. That becomes, a, that becomes a fishing lure because you need to eat, right? It's, it, it has no value in the circumstance that you're in. So when I'm starting, when I started my business and when I was working through a lot of the financial issues, all of that stuff had to be repurposed for the survival of the business. It had to be repurposed and ultimately it had to be repurposed into cash that would ultimately fund the future of the business. And when you go through that, so just like in a survival situation, if you're surviving on an island 
and you use your Rolex as a fishing lure and you can catch <laughs> and you can catch fish to eat, you're going to live to get the fuck off that island Hell and yeah. go do something else, right? And you'll be yeah. able to buy another Rolex. Yeah, trust me, you'll be able to there'll be another one. Yeah, you'll go buy another one. Like, Evan, how am I doing on time with you, bro? You got time for a couple more questions? Yeah, dude. I got I got all the time in the world. I love, I'm such a fan of what you guys did with Barstool. I love that, man. There's so many kids that reach out to me. Oh, yeah, wasn't that, they're like Black Rifle Coffee, isn't that? Or Young Adulter. I love that you did that. Whose idea was that? Was that you? No, uh, that was one of the guys in our, our marketing department. And uh, I, I, I followed Dave Portnoy. And, you know, I, I follow those guys. I listen to some of their shows because I'm just a fan of their content. Right. right. I think that guy doesn't give a shit and it's awesome. <laughs> like, it's awesome. Like, he cracks me up, man. Like he cracks me up. And so I hear a funny story. I was on, so I'm good friends with them. Yeah. Not him. I've never met him, but their CEO, she's been on this. She was my first guest on the show. And I went Seriously? and I did, and I went and I did her show. And when I'm leaving, Big cat grabs me and puts me in the stick. I didn't know it was the yak. He puts me on the yak. Right. So I start with my shit and I'm there. You know, I'm a Cuban guy in the middle of this. So I'm different automatically. And I'm, I'm in the mix in the mix. So I go, so what's up? So what are we talking about? And big cat goes, well, if you pee in a urinal, listen to this. If you pee in a urinal, and I don't know this is live on series, but I'm just in the mix, you know, the studio. Right. You pee in the urinal. Do you put your balls in the in the urinal, like some weird shit like that. Right? <laughs> I, go, I go, well, I got something better for you. How many people here are uncircumcised? And they all went crazy, you know, because the Cubans, for some reason, I don't know what happened, but I'm not circumcised and nobody, none of any of my family members <laughs> from that era. And that's the beauty of that place. But you're the same way, bro. Like you literally, you don't give a fuck. You have such a good heart, right? That only people that take the time to know you or to invest in you can see that. And the same thing happens with Barstool, bro. So I wanted to share that with you. I was so happy that you guys did that, man, because it just, you have such a good thing that the more eyeballs get on that, it's awesome. And they're fun, right? So like, that's the things, these are the things that we believe in, which is, you know, go out and be yourself. You know, if, if, if in the, that, that entire mission statement of living the American dream through hard work and adventure, right? And freedom is not a, it's not something that, that one political party or one person has a monopoly on, right? So in social media and media and all this, this land of inauthenticity, it's just all inauthentic. It's, it's this really heavy veneer and you don't really know who the fuck people are and it's highly scripted and it's, it's just kind of fake, and you can make whatever Instagram post you want look like you've got a private jet and a you know a McLaren and all this other shit, and that could be all rented, complete fiction, right? No, it could be it just like complete fiction. No, for even that, you can make it look like you're happy. Yeah, put the post out and then be like, "Fuck, man, my life sucks. I'm so lonely. I don't have this." Yeah. It's crazy. Bro. But you know, you know what you can't fake is real happiness. That's true, right? That's- you can't fake it. So it's like I think that stuff, and I always talk to the guys about this. And I, I use weird um, analogies for guys all the time because we were talking about this a few years ago. And I was talking about the Grateful Dead, believe it or not. 
And it was like, why, what made the Grateful Dead so popular? Because they, they didn't sell the most albums. They didn't, but they had by far, they were selling out more concert halls than any other band in history. And it was freedom and it was fun. And whether people like the dead or they don't like the dead or whatever it was, it was like, these guys were icons of American music that a huge section of the other Americans didn't have anything to do with, right. but they were, they, they built this, this following around just, Hey man, we're going to have this incredible time. There's going to be music going on for days and days and days. And there's going to be, you know, drugs or whatever it is, right. All the things that are associated with it. Right, right, but right. The thing that we love and the thing that I love and the thing that I truly love to just promote all the time is like go out and live an eclectic and interesting life because this is America and you should be doing that. Don't follow some other person's, you know, orthodox rules to how and who should be happy or believe that they're even fucking happy. Evan, here's what me. You're 43, you said, right? Yes. And sometimes the lines get blurry between real world and social world. Oh, Imagine yeah. a 15 year old kid, man. We, and there's no course. There's, no, there's course no course in how to help. Like, Hey, look, man, you see this guy, that's his dad's money. That's not his money. He's miserable. Those are not really his friends. That chick is really hooking up with some other dude or 10 right. other dudes. You're, and that's one of my things that I love of having you on is that you can say, Whoa, listen, listen. I had to sell my truck, my this, my this, my this, my this, my that. Imagine you doing a post at 23 that saying that people will look at you like the biggest fucking loser of the world. I, right? I love that. Like and I, you're, I, and you're I, one of the biggest winners of all time. I think I think that that's what people need to be. They need that's to stop being so, they, they that's need to celebrate. Being so afraid of failure, right? Hell yeah, bro. Hell yeah. Like and people say it. And one of the things that really just drives me bananas is you get a group of guys out there that are trying to teach people how to be successful because they've taught people how to be successful or some other shit, right? It's, it's like a pyramid scheme. And, um, and I, I, I look at this and I go, okay guys, but you're going to, you're going to have to fail in life. That's just one of the things that you're going to have to do and you can't be afraid of it. And that's one of the things that I, I talk about a lot where combat actually helped me. It gave me freedom. Because when you're jeopardizing life, limb, and eyesight, everything else becomes somewhat irrelevant, right? It's yeah. like, oh, well, shit, it can't get that bad because I'm not going to lose my legs. I'm not going to lose my life. I'm going to lose your phone or yeah. getting that cool shirt when you're worried about your legs. Yeah. So it gave me freedom to be like, hey, I'm going to try this. I'm going to work as hard as I can. If I don't succeed, I don't give a shit. I don't care if people think that I'm a failure. I don't care if they think that, you know, uh, I, I don't care. I think that at the end of the day, people have too much stock in their social media following and whether or not they care. You know who I care about? I care about my wife. I care about my kids. I care about my company and I care about my customers. That's yeah. who I care about. Do they like my product? Do they like my coffee? Do they like my designs? Do, do my kids think that I'm a good person? Like outside of that, like who gives a shit what people are saying about, about you on Twitter? Like that's a cesspool of just negativity where people have nothing else to do in their life. And people are not happy, bro. People are not, listen, the experiences you've had in life, bro, you've lived a life that people can dream of. 
And the only reason why you've done it is because you've taken the time, you've sacrificed yourself, you've put yourself out there, you've made the mistakes, you've built the relationships, you've learned from your mistakes, you might make them again, you learn from, and that's the formula, man. Whether it's coffee, fucking whatever it is, that's that's the fucking formula. Well, that's and, what I think is important, bro. And fear, I see a lot of this, especially with uh, teenagers and 20-somethings, right? Fear. Mm-hmm. they're afraid and I, i've had this conversation with uh like younger kids you know in 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 a, whether they're family members or adjacent family members I'm like the biggest thing that you can do is one who gives a shit about your peers like go out and be you two don't be afraid like fear is something that you have to continue to conquer all the time because it inhibits personal growth. It inhibits you from achieving what you want. I just had this conversation with a uh, a person that I was uh, was driving me to the airport for my rental car, uh, the Enterprise rental car. You got to drive back and forth, right? And they were talking about how they're kind of afraid to leave this the town that they were in to go out and have a new, you know, a new town. Yeah, and they. They're like, well, I've got to get, I've got to move and I've got to do this. I'm like, none of that shit is hard. Like pack it all into a truck, give the rest of that crap to Goodwill, go move out to the East coast, wherever you're going to move, start over, like get a new lease, get a new, 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 whatever it might be. You're just replacing your power and some other shit that ultimately is pretty replaceable. But you know what you're not going to, you know what you're not going to do if you stay here. You're never going to know what it's like to go out and just do something new. Just just jump off into the abyss and not be a little bit afraid and then tackle it and go, what's the worst thing that can happen? So run your course of action and be like, what's the worst thing that can happen? I got to move back or, and I used to run those scenarios all the time. I'm like if I fail a business, the worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to have a wife and two beautiful kids that love me. I'm still going to be a good dude and I'm going to go out and I'm going to do something else. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to let this stop me. Uh, and you listen, you might not have a $10,000 crossbow, but you'll have a hundred dollar crossbow and you'll still have yeah. the same fun and you'll still fuck around with the old man and it won't be documented, baby. But yeah. You, and people, people don't get that. dude. People don't get that. No. I'm going to do, dude. I think I can't be so proud of you, man. I can't be your number one supporter more than enough. <laughs> I, I wanted to, I got a large bilingual following uh-huh. that is not aware of Black Rifle because right. we don't, in Miami, it's we don't think that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I want people to be aware of, number one, the product speaks for itself. It's amazing. But this is one of the few times that the creator is almost better than the product, dude. And I wanted your story and your vibe and you're just your mindset to be shared with so many dude is there anything i can do for you man any help i can be any questions for me no i think i think we got to have you on our show now i think we got to have you on free range you got to talk i got to do the reverse right i got to interview you because i'm more interested to figure out what's going on what you've done uh and that'll be the next i think that the next thing we got to do is have you on free range because that would be cool and uh where are you guys located what's that where are you located where's the studio located uh, Utah and San Antonio, Texas. So okay. we got two. I'm speaking in San, coincidentally, in February in San Antonio. What day? Do you know? February 20th, the weekend yeah. of February 20th. We'll be there. So if that'll be the time to do it. 
I'm coming in town. This is what I'm going to bring. I'm going to do my most viewed thing. This is just how life is. I could talk about, listen, I used to wet the bed till I was 13 years old, bro. Dealing with like my trauma with my dad shit. I talk about that. I talk about, I have a video where I talk about how to help guys support their woman, wife, whatever. When they go through a miscarriage, it happened to, to my wife before we had stuff we don't talk about, you know, mm -hmm. how to go through losing your hair, right? That you just fucking shake that shit and who cares and life right. is still great. Just little stuff like that, you know? But my most popular videos are me breaking in gloves. People love that. So I'm going to do a video of me breaking in your glove. I'm going to customize your glove. We'll put the name. We'll do some cool shit. What's your favorite color of glove? Do you like the tan? Do you like the oh, yeah. blue? Do you like? Yeah, I I like uh, I like. So you've got the light lighter tan, and then you've got kind of the darker darker brown, like the chocolate brown. That's mm -hmm. my. I like the chocolate. A darker brown. All right, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna get that, and I'm gonna have that for you over there. I'm gonna I'm gonna break it in on the video, and we're gonna play cat. I'm gonna bring the baseballs. I'm gonna That's bring. That's great. We're gonna fucking we're gonna hit some stuff. We're, we're going to do that. We'll set that up for that day. What a coincidence. It'll be the last thing. What a coincidence that I'm interviewing a dude in Tennessee, bro. And the reason I get this dude is because Brandon Schaub, you know, Brandon Schaub. Oh yeah, of course. He's an awesome dude. Great dude. <laughs> He's awesome. Yeah. He's wearing one of his hats. Uh -huh. And this dude is a fucking hat maker in Tennessee and just revamped his whole life from New Mexico to Tennessee and now he's done hats for ZZ Tops. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So this motherfucker, I'm talking to him and I go, he goes, bro, he reads this quote by you that he has in his office. I go to him, listen, bro, if this guy's as fucking cool as you say you are, we're going to make him a hat. We're going to give him a hat. <laughs> That's awesome. hat, bro. You can rock <laughs> and I'm going to put you guys in contact. I'm, we're going to take care of it. So you That's can cool. stuff, man. That's the impact you're having on people. And he's a young entrepreneur. He's in his, he's, he's, he's probably early thirties and stuff. And he's starting to really go up there, bro. So we're going to yeah. do that for you too, brother. I think, yeah, I think cause you sent me that, which mm -hmm. was, and that's what I responded to. Cause I was like, that's cool. Cause I, I've, I've said that for years, which is like, you have to sacrifice your ego on the altar of business. Right. And that's been one of the things I've, I've told people a lot because, you know, I, when I, I was fired from the agency, in 2014 and i you know before that i was like oh, i'm a bad motherfucker i'm a commando and i had all these like illusions right all these like identity. that was your identity yeah that's my identity and then i had to i had to kind of i had to make some really really difficult decisions and, and i had to have some really introspective conversations with myself about who i really was so outside of that identity who who is evan hafer and if i would have let that get to me if I would have been like, well, I'm a shit bag or, you know, I just can't do this or I'm a failure. I would have been, I would have been buying into that narrative and I would have discounted all the other things that I've, I had going in my life. And for me, you know, sacrificing my ego in the sense of being able to say, I don't know shit. Mm -hmm. I've got to work for everything that I have and I'm going to work 10 or 20 times harder than everybody else around me to succeed uh because if i don't then i'm validating what other people have said yes and that is the worst thing you can do is if you can validate if you're validating what other people the negative shit that other people have said knowing 
knowing that it's false information, don't buy into the propaganda, right? And that's why like the social media conversation we're having and the things that people talk about and this peer pressure and, you know, failure of, or fear of failure and all these, these kind of buzzwords. I'm like, the worst thing you can do is buy into a false narrative about yourself that other people have said that really don't know you because nobody knows you like you. They really don't. But if you, you know, I guess on the, on the almost side, even know ourselves, right? Like we're learning yeah. about ourselves on a daily basis. Yeah. And you can, and you can reinvent yourself. Like that's the other thing is the brain is, it, it, it has myelination, right? We, we can, we can, it, it's, it, you can develop and overcome a lot of shit. You know, my peer group and the people that I work around and the people that I've done a lot of shit with, you know, I have seven and a half years in a combat combat zone. The majority of my friends have been to combat and come back with psychological or physical problems. All of us are trying to reinvent ourselves all the time. And if if you buy into the negative propaganda from your peer group or other people, it could be your parents. You know, it could be a negative parent. It could be a combination of negative parents. If you buy into that bullshit, you're directly contributing to your own failure and you're putting more energy into your own failure, which is saying, ah, fuck that. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to outwork everybody. I'm going to be positive. That's the other piece that I wanted to hit on was like, I'm not buying into any, there, there's enough negative bullshit on the internet. There's enough negative shit floating around in our society on a daily basis. I don't buy into that. I don't want anything to do with it. I want my company and the people that work for the company and the products that we put out to stand for really positive things. I talk about content where it's it's informative, it's inspirational. It has to it has to give you some form of value, and that value can't take away from your life. It has to directly contribute to positivity. And I refuse to do anything negative. I'm not going to contribute to negative shit because there's millions of people who want to do that on the internet. Like I, I'm, I'm totally fine with those guys having that piece of the internet. Yeah, man. I'm just not going to do it anymore. Right. And I don't want that to be my legacy. So when I do look at leadership and things like that, those are kind of the things where I'm saying from my perspective, I'm not buying into negative information. I'm not buying into the negative aspects of the internet. I'm only contributing to positivity. Like I only want to be bucketing my energy towards those things because there's enough people just wanting to, Bucket it into bullshit. And Evan, listen, bro. You can have, we're proof of it. You can have tattoos and be a great fucking dude. Yeah. You can be buff and be a great fucking dude. You could own a company. You could go hunting. You could do, as long as you do stuff respectfully and everything is through the guidelines of what an American is and life. I mean, how can you do wrong, bro? I don't think you can. I think if you continue to double down and invest in positivity too, you know, being an ethical man being a, a, when I, when I say like, and there's wide variety of ethics out there, but it's like, if you have a template in your head and you say, this is what good looks like, or I'm willing to figure out what good looks like and just double down and keep investing in those types of uh, individual investments of your personal energy, your intellectual capacity, you can't go wrong because all you're doing is investing and reinforcing the good. And your negative, your your negative shit, you don't double down, you don't invest any energy in that, and your life becomes way easier. People get too invested in negative energy, and especially with social media, man, they get so invested in like, 
you know, trolling other people or responding to negative comments or all this other crap, right? It's like, why? Evan, I, there's too I many good a, things out there. Evan, I had a dude, the saddest thing I've ever seen in the world. I had a dude create a fake account on me using a filter, just talking shit about me the whole time, right? right? Dude's a teacher. Dude has kids in the baseball community. And I'm like, what? So, like, we're literally like editing videos on purpose to, to, and it doesn't affect me one moment. But how hurt is that? I feel bad for these people. I, yeah. To me, like, how hurt? And anybody that's come at me, coincidentally, that I do a little bit research on, because I don't get hated on that much. But when I do, and these are people that are going through tough times in their life. And I wish that when people are going through tough times in their life, they would sit back and go, okay. Man, that guy looks happy. Man, Evan looks happy. They're hunting with his dad. What got him there? Versus, oh, look at this fucking show off. He's there with his dad killing deer. Why isn't he doing this? Why isn't he doing that? There's corona. And that's what we got to change from a yeah. young age. If we can get kids to learn how to encourage each other and be like, you know what, man? You're doing your thing. You seem happy with your dad. That's awesome, bro. If we could just do that, the I karma that you get will just change your life like that, man. Yeah, and I can't, I can't encourage that more. And I can't believe in that even more and validate it and double down on that. The, the amount of encouragement as far as when, when we look at all the great things that people are doing, these really fucking interesting and cool things that people are doing, whether it's in art or business or whatever it is that you're into, right? And you're, you continue to invest and encourage in other people doing their thing, just being them, being a positive influence. That and it's such a arbitrary thing, but you know, with a guy that has a three-year-old and a seven-year-old, I want them to be the te that's the template that I want them to follow. I don't want these guys to be cruising around, you know, kicking rocks with their head down. Like I, I just can't do that. I'm like, go out and try it. Go out and do it. Who cares if you fail? Have fun doing it. Encourage other people to be a failure. Fuck up. Like, have fun fucking up. Guess what? I went sledding a few weeks ago, you know, and crashed the fucking sled, blew it into a million fucking pieces. I'm 40 years old. I'm out there with a bunch of kids. There's no other parents doing that. <laughs> I looked like a total asshole. But guess what? I had fun. And my kids are like, hey, dad's not afraid to do anything like that. I guess he's all right. I walked into Miami baseball field three years ago vlogging myself with a camera. Okay, at 38, 38 years old, everybody hated on me. I looked like the big, people thought I was the biggest loser of the world. And all I was sharing was my story. The only people thought I was cool were the little kids. I was like, oh my God, he's vlogging, vlogging. All these right. people, everybody my age, my friends were like, oh, this fucking idiot. Who does he think he is? And I tell people the most important thing. And I said this on ESPN, which two things you can control in life, your effort and your attitude, bro. That's it. That's it. Everything That's it. else, you can't control your height. You can't control. Listen, I'm five seven. Yeah, you control to be the best five seven year old there is. The best five seven dude. Your heart, your passion can't be put on a scale. That that's that's what we gotta talk about because now what happens? You'd be a second baseman right now, and you're comparing yourself to Robinson Cano. I'd be like, are you crazy? The the the, the talent is different because you can't control that, bro. You can't control your speed, but what can you control? Effort and attitude, bro. And I think you guys, especially you, leading the thing with what you're doing, bro, it's tremendous, man. Last question. Okay. What's your goal for 2021, bro? Have you thought about that yet? Well, I've got a few. Um, 
you know, our big ones that we're investing in as far as content, uh, what we're trying to put out is we, we really, you can't emphasize that enough. We talked about it a lot where we're just doubling down on positive, entertaining, uh, inspiring, informative content. So we're expanding a lot of our, our blog stuff. We're doing more vlog style. So I want to, I want to, I want to pull the veneer back and show people how cool this fucking company is kind of behind the scenes, show people all the different, really, really excellent employees that we have, what types of fun, you know, I've got an archery range in the back of my, my facility. I've got a fucking gym. We've got barbecue pit. We, you know, it's COVID has been a shit sandwich for so many different businesses and one of the worst things that it's happened to our company is it's taken away the socialization aspects of things. Yeah. And that's hard, right? So for me, 2021 is I, I got to get back the socialization aspects of the company. I got to have more fun with our employees and show people how fun a company can be. It's not just like nine to five drudgery. You can go out, find a cool job with a group of cool people that you really like and inspire other business owners and other people that are looking for jobs to go out and find an actual cool place to work. Uh, that's my big goal for 2021 is just show people that we can still be social. We can still have fun. We can still work in a really awesome place and go out and really help the veteran community. I've been in a great position to donate a bunch of money back to the veteran community. So go out and donate even more money back to the veteran community on these initiatives for athlete programs. Cause we do a ton of archery. We do a ton of different give backs throughout the, the entire veteran community. So those are my big goals, entertain, inform and inspire, uh, keep giving money back and strip the veneer and make sure people know that there's still fucking really cool places in America to work. Evan, I'm going to go on a limb here and say, this is your best interview of 2020, bro. You I think it. it is. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. You crushed this. Dude, I can't wait for you to be on the show in February. It's going to be great. We're going to do good. Any last thing you want to plug? I know Black Rifle Coffee. It's at Black Rifle Coffee on Instagram, is it? No, man. I I, I can't thank you enough for having me on. Like, it's, it's, it's cool, especially going down the rabbit hole and seeing what you're doing, seeing what you're doing for the community. It's truly, like, it's truly an honor to be on the show, man. It's awesome. Like, thank you very much. It. I'm glad that we got it. Don't go. Let me say bye to you the right way. Let me just end it real quick. Don't go anywhere.